Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, and today I don't have a co-host because we're going behind enemy lines once again. The Penn State Nittany Lions are going to play host this weekend to the Indiana Hoosiers, a team that I think it's safe to say has been a thorn in Penn State's side in recent years, even if uh, Indiana hasn't always won the games against Penn State. They've always played Penn State tough. They've always presented a really interesting challenge, and to learn a bit about the Hoosiers, we decided to bring in some help. We got my pal Jacob Rude, the host of the Locked on Hoosiers podcast. He also writes a bit about the Los Angeles Lakers, but none of you care about that because you're here for college football. <laughs> Jacob, what's going on, buddy? I'm doing great, man. It's uh, like, like we were talking about beforehand. I just got back from a vacation in L.A. and the Hoosiers won last weekend. So it's been a great week. Yeah, you, you mentioned that the Hoosiers won last weekend. They uh. They certainly didn't make the win easy, picking up a 33-31 to 31 win against a good Western Kentucky team. Uh, they did go on the road to have to do that. But I think that phrase, haven't made things easy, is the phrase that sums up this Indiana season better than anything else. Uh, Indiana came into this season expecting uh, to be right there at the top of the Big Ten East. Maybe not knock off uh, Ohio State, but banking on continuity and banking on the fact that they had such a good year last year that they thought they could replicate that. Instead, the team is 2-2 two and two on the year, losses to Iowa and Cincinnati, close win over Western Kentucky and a comfy win over Idaho. So I just want to ask broadly before we get into any specifics, what's been up with Indiana football this year? Yeah, I mean, it's been a handful of things. I think the biggest factor has been that maybe I certainly myself and I think a lot of people probably didn't put enough into the fact that it was going to take Michael Penix a while to get back to kind of full 100 uh, percent having that knee injury last season that ended his, ended his season early. Everybody just kind of thought, well, he's been practicing. Everything will be fine. He'll come in just like last season. And that wasn't the case really until last week was the first time he really looked like himself. So uh, pair that with a pretty brutal schedule uh, to start with Iowa and Cincinnati. And it spelled a, a pretty deflating start to the season. And that, I think the fact that you use the word deflating there is really interesting because when I think about Indiana last year, I thought of a team that even when Penix got hurt, it just seemed like there was this uh, uh, vibe might not be the right word, but there was just like this air of confidence about them. There was this uh, sense that through hell or high water, things were going to be okay for one reason or another. And this year, they've just struggled to meet preseason expectations. I what, what did they uh, what did they come into this year ranked as? If you remember off the top of your head, uh, it was seven, 17 or eighteen, somewhere right around there. Which you normally expect the second best team in the Big Ten East, whether it's Penn State, whether it's Michigan, whether it's Indiana, to be a little bit higher than that. And I actually feel like. There was a sense that Indiana might have, coming into the year before that first game against Iowa, they were ranked a little too low, uh, weren't getting the respect that they probably deserved based off of last year. But it seems like all year has been a struggle to meet those preseason expectations. You mentioned Penix and his injury struggles. 
Has that been the thing or has it been a collection of things that have just been a little bit off, including what's been up with Penix? Um, that's, I think that's been the predominant thing. Uh, there's little things that have contributed as well. The offensive line has really struggled, uh, which was, a happened a lot last year. The Hoosiers could get away with it because Penix was playing so well. Um, but when he's struggling on top of them struggling, you get performances like that Iowa game to start off the season where, they just got absolutely smacked. Pinnock looked awful. Things like that. Um, I, it, it's hard to boil it all down to one thing. The receivers haven't helped him at times. Really, the only consistent thing for the most part had been the defense until last week against Western Kentucky. The defense had been really good. I should say when fully available. The first half of that Cincinnati game, they had Cincinnati completely rattled, I thought. And then Micah McFadden has that targeting ejection, and uh, every all the success Cincinnati had on the day came after that offensively. So it's hard to to just say, well, if Michael Penix was healthy, we'd be good. Uh, but that is a big, I mean, a big key of it. He was turning the ball over a lot early in the season. Uh, he had a couple pick sixes against Iowa. He had three interceptions against Cincinnati, one in the red zone. Um, there were. And it, it was bad enough there were murmurs about whether he should be benched. Tom Allen was adamantly against that. I guess the good news for Hoosier fans is against Western Kentucky, as ugly as that game was, the by far the biggest takeaway from that is Penix looked really, really good. He looked like him old, his old self again. But then the defense no-showed, basically. I mean, that's a really tough Western Kentucky offense to, to match up against. But... Uh, IU really hasn't gotten a good game from both the offense and the defense this season yet. Yeah, looking into it, uh, Penix on the year, uh, 55% of his passes, 821 yards, four touchdowns, six interceptions, seven sacks last week against Western, though. Uh, didn't throw any touchdowns, but also didn't throw any interceptions, 35 for 53, 373 yards. And I think that's a really good way to – uh, jump into this Hoosiers offense. Indiana uh, ranked 61st in SP Plus this year, which caught me off guard a little bit when I read it before the podcast. It's 71st in offensive SP Plus. Jacob, obviously there are Penix's issues, and we'll go into a few of the other things, but is it just a matter of – this is what my theory has been in the times I've watched Indiana – he just looks like a guy who a mix of body and mind are aware of the fact that he's suffered season-ending injuries each of the last three years. Is that the issue with him, or is there some other sort of issue with how he's been playing, how he's looked, any sort of thing beyond just the fact that he's a guy who has been broken so many times that the rent is due, more or less? Yeah, I think it's probably more that. there. So, like I said, I think coming into the year, expectations were probably too high on him, and it showed that Iowa game, it was one of the, it was easily the most bizarre game I've seen Penix had. He just looked like a guy who was totally lost, hadn't played college football. He was throwing it directly to Iowa defenders. They should have had 
probably two or three more interceptions than they ended up with. Um, but as the season's gone on, there's been a lot more flashes of the old Michael Penix. That Idaho game ended up being a really odd one because IU got two different special teams touchdowns, a block punt and a punt return, and then had some long kickoffs and some defensive turnovers to where they only ever really had a short field uh, on offense. So he couldn't really, like ideally you'd want that game to be something where he can shake off some of the rust. That never happened. So then you head into the Cincinnati game with some of those still issues. And at times in that Cincinnati game, he looked, he looked, there were again, flashes of his old self, but then he, he would do things like, that red zone interception where he just kind of didn't look at the receiver and then just threw it in that direction. And it, it looked like it may have got tipped at the line, whatever it was, you, it, it wasn't something he did last season. Um, you'd have plays where he threw back across his body across the middle of the field where it was like maybe in the past he was trying to do things his body could do that he hasn't quite been able to do. I also thought he was just kind of forcing the issue. He was very, acutely aware of the fact that he had struggled and was trying to like force the matter to overcome that. And I thought last week was the first time he just seemed kind of calm and settled, which is ironic because it was a game that IU was going uh, point for point with Western Kentucky for a <laughs> lot of it. So uh, the fact that he was calm and never really rattled in that game, he didn't make any of those bad throws, those bad decisions. Um, he had a whole bunch of like really big third and fourth down conversions. And it started to look like uh, the Pinnocks that uh, Hoosier fans had seen. Um, so it, it's, it's getting there. It's hard to tell what exactly. I think just the overlying issue is that he was, he went nine months without really being able to throw a football, especially in a game and then he was thrown in against, I mean, Iowa and Cincinnati are two really, really tough defenses. And to be thrown into that in your first three games, we probably, again, I keep saying we, I know I certainly probably didn't take that into account enough about how tough that was going to be. Uh, yeah, Penix, as a, as a reminder to listeners, last season tore his ACL and that ended up leading to him. Uh leading to his season ending. Uh, coming into the season, though, Penix was completing 61.6% of his passes uh, in his career, 3,258 passing yards, 25 touchdowns against eight interceptions. So uh, the, that's been the weird thing for me. It's just like decision-making for him has always been, for my money, his best attribute. And seeing him turn the ball over the way he has hasn't quite – it's been weird, but at the same time, Jacob, you mentioned issues on the offensive line. Offensive line hasn't been as good as it was last year. And then to me, when I watch Indiana, that rushing attack doesn't seem like it has the bite that it's had in the past. There are good options in the passing game, but they're not as dangerous as they have been in the past. Could you talk about the other 10 guys on Indiana's offense and just what's been up with them so that Again, an off a team that came into the season having such really high expectations uh, currently sits in the 70s in offensive SP+. Yeah, it it's kind of a trickle-down effect. There, I think there were a lot of other things that didn't help Pinnock's as well. The offensive line, uh, again, Saturday was the first time that they'd really played well. 
and they've struggled a lot, which when you have a quarterback that's trying to work his way back from injury, especially a leg injury, especially not even his first leg injury, uh, he's going to get some fire feet back there if he knows his pocket is collapsing immediately. Uh, so that's led to some some sacks, some rush throws, some things like that, some uncomfortable throws. I think that's contributed to that accuracy dropping. Uh, and then he, he's, he's, he struggled early on to build kind of a rapport with his receiving core. Uh, obviously, there's Ty Freifogel, who hasn't really – up until Saturday, hadn't really played well this season at all, especially that Cincinnati game. He only had one reception, and he had uh, three or four drops. Uh, I can't remember exactly how many, but they were a lot of balls just hit him right in the hand and dropped, and that's been the case for a lot of his of Penix's receiving core is that just drops have been wild. I, I don't know if it's contagious or what, but uh, – Again, when you have a quarterback struggling, you kind of hope your receivers can make some tough catches to bail him out. And I use receivers were doing the exact opposite and dropping easier passes. Um, to make matters worse, I mean, the Hoosier, we seem to finally get some things figured out offensively. And then the player who had been the best offensive player this season, DJ Matthews, I thought, uh, slot receiver transfer from Florida State, goes down early on. Um, against Western Kentucky, and he's out for the year with a torn ACL. So just as quickly as it seems like IU's figured some things out with the receiving core, um, he goes down. But it's just kind of been this collective kind of trickle down. A lot of it looked better against Western Kentucky. We'll see, I guess, if it's a matter of the opponent or if they kind of turned a corner a bit. Um, it's certainly based on kind of the postgame quotes. It seemed like the latter that they had – had some heart-to-heart -heart meetings during the week about how disappointing they had been and how they needed to turn things around. And a lot of guys stepped up against Western Kentucky offensively. But up until that point, it was a struggling offensive line allowing pressure on a quarterback who's rusty, who was throwing to wide receivers who were struggling to catch the ball. So you add all that up and you get performances – like they had against uh, against Iowa to start the year, and then uh, a game against Cincinnati where they should have been up way more than 14 points in the first half, but struggled to to finish in the red zone. And once Cincinnati got things together, they the Hoosiers couldn't keep up with them. So uh, it's just been a really kind of frustrating season offensively with this team because, like you've said, it was a team, it was a a unit that brought a lot of guys back from last season. But things just have never really clicked yet for them. Uh, before we move on to the defense, was uh, was Michael Penix short? No. What are I, you talking about? You are you are going to hell, my friend. Uh, <laughs> moving to the other side of the football, there is there is Indiana's defense, which. Uh, it's interesting, Jacob, because you look, they're 49th in SP Plus, a little bit lower than I think a lot of us anticipated Indiana's defense to be coming into this season. Uh, scheme is always going to be excellent. Uh, you look at some of the point totals in their games, and they can be a little deceiving. That, that Iowa one is the big one because Iowa's defense scored six points fewer than Iowa's offense did. Uh, mm -hmm. It seems like the biggest issue that Indiana's defense has had so far has been 
Indiana's offense. What has, uh, what's been up with that side of the ball? What's been the reason for, I don't want to say a step back, but the unit isn't as, um, you, you know, might not be as dynamic as I think a lot of people might have anticipated coming into the year. Yeah, it's. I think there's a lot of deceiving numbers going on there. As you mentioned, that that Iowa game, two pick sixes, and then they there was another t- er, interception that led directly to a field goal. I I used defense, got a three and out, but it was a field. They were already in field goal range, so half of their points came from um, the offense, basically. Then that Cincinnati game is kind of the same. Uh, I. Up until Micah McFadden's ejection, which was, I think, a minute or two before halftime, Cincinnati had one first down. They had, um, it was under 20 yards of offense and were just, had, were going nowhere. They looked awful. And McFadden, who's the defense's best player, All-American linebacker, gets ejected and immediately Cincinnati just starts targeting where he plays, just running up the middle. And it was, they gained all the momentum and it just escalated after that. Um, That was, that whole game kind of turned on that one play, not to give the defense any excuse because they did not look good the rest of that game. Uh, And then Western Kentucky, again, I'm not really sure what to make of that game. Their their air raid offense, it's a lot of fun if anybody hasn't watched it. It wasn't fun watching it against IU, but it, it's a lot of fun to watch. It's the the uh, Bailey Zappi is the type of quarterback who doesn't even throw with the laces. He just gets the ball and lets it go. And that was – IU struggled against that. They made enough plays at times to uh, eventually get the win, but they struggled with that as well. So um, – I think overall the the defense has been pretty strong, but it's not they haven't been able to put together a full game. It was against Iowa, they gave up a huge run on the first play, and then it was like yeah, after that they were good, but Iowa wasn't trying to score when their defense was scoring every other time on the uh, they got on the field. It's the same as uh, that Cincinnati game. For half the game they looked good, but then the other half of the game they looked really bad. So. Uh, at their best, I, I think this is an Indiana defense that is top 20 in the nation, but so far it's just been a factor of putting it together for a full game. They still have a ton of talent. I thought I think the defensive line has improved this year. That was an area that they weren't as good in last year. They weren't able to create pressure on the quarterback on the defensive line have a couple of transfers come in, Ryder Anderson and Weston Kramer. They have really played well for them. But um, overall, when they've been available and at their best, they've been really good. But doing that over a full 60 minutes has kind of been the struggle right now. The last thing I want to ask you about before we dive into this game a little bit is I want to ask about Tom Allen. Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to ask you to speculate very wildly off of things that you see on the television. Um, one thing that really stuck out to me last year was how Tom Allen just had this like infectiousness about him, this verb, this, this constant sense of excitement about him. 
Yeah, has he still been like that this season? You know, kind of through hell or high water. Or has he been? Yeah, has he appeared a little more frustrated this year, or is he just one of those guys who's always like, turn it up to ten? You know, drink five espressos a day, make sure you're bringing that energy, <laughs> that sort of thing. No, he's definitely still been that guy. Uh, I don't think. I just think that's how he is. I don't know how he's like that, but yeah, he's always five espressos type of guy, always celebrating. Uh, one of the memorable or fun moments of the season was in that Idaho game late in the game, the Idaho's quarterback threw it out of bounds, right to Tom Allen, who I use up, I think like 55 to seven or something and catches it and just spikes it on the ground and starts yelling at his defense and whatnot. So he's still that, still that guy that that certainly hasn't changed. It might've toned down a little bit because you can obviously amplify that whenever, uh, you're winning, but he's still giving those same locker room speeches. He had a, a great one uh, after the Western Kentucky game for Michael Penix since he finally turned the corner and um, giving him the game ball. He's still that guy. He's still giving those speeches, but uh, those speeches are a lot more fun and go a lot more viral when they come after victories, and there haven't been quite as many of those yet this year. Well, Penn State's goal is to make sure this weekend that he has prevented <laughs> – uh, from giving another one of those rah-rah victory speeches. Nittany Lions entered this game 12.5-point favorites over under 53.5. Our pal Bill Conley, uh, his SP plus pick is Penn State by 21, so considerably uh, larger than the spread. I actually think the spread opened at 11 and has moved in Penn State's direction uh, a little bit. Before we get into predictions or anything like that, just from an Indiana perspective, Jacob, what are your expectations for this week's game? I am not optimistic. <laughs> um, it's if Indiana, if you could guarantee me that the version of Indiana's offense that played Saturday was paired with the version of Indiana's defense that played most of that Iowa game or the first half of that Cincinnati game, I'd be a lot more optimistic. But right now, this isn't a Hoosier team that's really clicking on all cylinders and. It certainly seems from afar that it's a Penn State team that's much closer to doing that than IU is. So top that with, I'm sure, everybody on Penn State side wants revenge for last season. And I don't I don't have high hopes for this game. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have the quote. Uh, well, here, we'll really entertain listeners as I take 10 seconds to go find and pull up uh, the exact quote. But James Franklin had a quote yesterday. Uh, about the game where he said something to the extent of it, it, it wasn't like it was something to the extent of it wasn't a revenge game. Uh, it, he doesn't view this as a revenge game. All he wants to do is go out and beat this year's Indiana team. Uh, his concern is not going out and beating last year's Indiana. Here we go. Uh, our entire focus and energy is on beating Indiana this Saturday, this season. It seems to me from my perspective, like Penn state's coming into this game with the mindset of, listen, we're going to go ahead. We're just going to go out. We're going to play our football game. We're going to go out, not be too focused on what happened last year. Obviously, uh, we'll see if the players share that mindset, if things start going their way. Uh, But you look at this Indiana team, you look at how it matches up against Penn State, Jacob. Who are the Indiana players who you you think Penn State, really anyone watching this game, 
should keep an eye on, who are primed for a breakout, who could find themselves in positions where they perform well uh, against the Nittany Lion team that has been clicking this season. Offensively, I would say one of the guys would be Peyton Hendershot, our tight end, who uh, has kind of had an up and down really career as a whole. He was really good two seasons ago, um, was one of our best offensive weapons, uh, 622 yards, four touchdowns on 52 receptions. Last season, he struggled mightily. Um, he still had four touchdowns, but only 150 yards and 23 receptions, played every game. Uh, but this season he's bounced back. He already has 180 yards, already has a touchdown. And one of the kind of talking points I've had all season is I think this IU um, offense is at its best whenever he is a big part of the passing game. He's a he's a terrific pass catcher. And I honestly think there could be times he... IU's going to have to figure out this week how to replace DJ Matthews, and he had been a really big part of IU's offense in the slot. I think at times you may see even Hendershot line up in the slot. I think they're going to do a committee approach. I think Ty Freifogel will be there. He's an obvious one uh, to watch, but Hendershot's one that I, we, I've had my eye on all season, and he's he definitely has the trust of Penix and has performed really well this season after struggling last year. Um, defensively, there's guys all over the place, but one of the names I mentioned before, Ryder Anderson, has come on this season. He was a transfer, and he came in. They were talking about him as um, the defensive MVP. He came from Ole Miss, played against IU in the the bowl game, and then immediately transferred to IU. Um, and he, they talked about him being the defensive MVP in fall camp when Micah McFadden and Taiwan Mullen are both All-Americans. Again, both those guys I'm sure will be heard from on Saturday. But Ryder Anderson had been, up until last week, had been one of IU's best defensive players. Uh, two sacks, two forced fumbles, four and a half tackles for loss. He's second on the team in tackles this season. Uh, he's out on the defensive end has been one of the pleasant surprises for this team. So there's always the names that we've talked about with Penix and Freifogel and those guys, Tywin Mullen, McFadden. But um, I think Anderson and Hendershot are two guys that have kind of been a little bit more of a surprise this season for how well they've played. Yeah, Mullen's the guy that I can't wait to watch. I mean, he's... Oh, yeah. he. Every time I have watched Indiana football he's usually the player I come away the most impressed with more than any pass catcher, more than any lineman or panics or anything. Just cause like that dude seems to have a dog mentality about him. that you want your number one cornerback to have. And like, you know, I think Jahan Dotson's a top three wide receiver in college football, but I think Mullen, I think that battle between Mullen and Dotson might be some of the most fun that I have watching football this year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because Mullen hasn't had a big like receiving threat yet to really match up against, but uh, he's so good in so many areas. IU will blitz guys from all different directions. He'll be in the backfield blitzing at some point, I'm sure, but uh, he leads the team in passes defended. He was he had the highest grade on the team last week for Pro Football Focus. Um He's one of the team's, typically one of the team's best tacklers. 
so he's in there on every play. He's fourth on the team in tackles. He's in there everywhere, but ultimately he is still a really, really good cornerback. And I'm excited to see him up against Dotson because it's going to be the first real big test this season, the first of many that I'm sure will be coming in Big Ten play for him. But I think it'll be his first really big test against a, a top, top receiver this season. So uh, let's get a prediction, whether it's a score prediction, whether it's a general prediction. Again, Penn State's 12 and a half points uh, from our friends in the desert, 21 points from SP+. What are you expecting? Again, it doesn't necessarily have to be a score. Uh, just as uh, Indiana goes into a night game in Happy Valley, where where's your brain at on this one? I think... The 21-point SP Plus number is a little bit high, maybe on the high end of kind of the range, I think, for the Hoosiers. Um, he predicts it, Bill Conley, at 36-15. I think the offense will do a little bit more than that. But ultimately, I, like I said, I'm not in, too optimistic with the way IU has been playing um, that they'll be able to win this game. This is going to be a... A brutal game. They didn't respond very well the last time they were on a road, uh, on the road in a Big Ten game earlier this season. I would expect a little bit better than that, but there aren't many places like Happy Valley for a night game. So, um, I I would say looking closer to maybe 14, 17 point win. Um, I think IU's offense seemed to turn a corner last week, uh, but the defense struggling to be consistent for 60 minutes. And just that environment as a whole is going to be a tough task for any team this season. And with how high Penn State's riding, um, I'm not too optimistic about this game. So I'd say probably, I don't, I don't really have a score, but somewhere 14, 17 points would be probably where I would target Penn State winning this one. And last question uh, before I let you go. I'm actually, I got interested and I wanted to look at Indiana's schedule for uh, the rest of the year, what's coming after Penn State? And, uh, 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 yeah. I, I, I didn't realize what the next month and a half of Indiana football uh, looks like at Penn State. Uh, at Penn State, then, yeah, then they have their bye. Michigan State, Ohio State, at Maryland, at Michigan, Rutgers, uh, and then things lighten up a bit with Minnesota and at Purdue to end the season of long-term rest of the year with the program. What is your expectation? Because I think it isn't crazy to see this as a four or a five win team that is much, much, much better than what their record says they are. Yeah. Ultimately this was a kind of a discussion I had on locked on Hoosiers all preseason. What was considered a successful season? Ultimately to me, uh, first and foremost, I mean, this is Indiana football, so getting a bowl game, I think, is the the kind of bottom line. Um, I always, I had kind of pegged eight and four, maybe seven and five, as as the earmark. Um, that was before Michigan State and Michigan looked a lot better than I expected this season. So, I would, I mean, bottom line is still kind of six and six, which I certainly think is um, very capable, especially things ease up over the last five games of the season 
but <laughs> we have to get there first, and that includes Penn State, Michigan State, and Ohio State the next three weeks. So uh, certainly love being in the Big Ten East. <laughs> yeah, one of these days the Big Ten will finally realize that like its divisions might be a little poorly balanced, and the <laughs> issue the, the issue with leaders and legends wasn't that it they were poorly balanced; it's that leaders and legends were very dumb names, but uh, incredibly dumb. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I don't know if I'd want to go back to exactly that because then it's still Penn State, Ohio State, and Wisconsin. But you know, maybe they could uh, maybe they'll figure something out soon. Jacob, tell the people where they can find your stuff. Yeah, it's uh, locked on Hoosiers daily IU uh, athletics, but you can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Rude. If there's any Laker fans, I guess uh, you can follow me over there as well as I write for Silver Screen and Roll with SB Nation as well. Yes, thank you uh, to Jacob for hopping on. Everyone, make sure you're going and checking out everything that he has uh, going on. There's lots of great work, especially on the NBA side, which I can uh, tell you from my day job, we're always looking for Lakers content. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but, of course, thank you, everyone, for listening to this edition of the podcast. Make sure you are subscribing to wherever you go and get your podcast. If you use Apple Podcasts, please go and leave us a five-star review. Make sure you keep reading and supporting the site. Best way to do that is to make sure you're buying some shirts and make sure you're following us on all of our various social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube, wherever. One last time, thank you very much for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone.